0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today we're talking comics. It's Marvel Unlimited Monday on Monday, August 12th and before we jump in I want to just advise you guys again just like I do on uh, what comics are coming out in stores on Wednesday uh, including the ones that I'll be reviewing um so before we jump into the Marvel Unlimited ones uh, real quickly we'll just go over these. This week uh from Marvel we're getting Star Wars Age of the Resistance, General Hux. That's a uh sort of an anthology series that they're doing right now for star Wars. They did it for the original series, the prequels, and now they're doing it for the sequels. I guess you could say these most recent three movies. Um, honestly, they've been hit hit or miss. There's actually one that came out this week in Marvel unlimited that I'm going to review, but um, I, I don't get them when they come out just because like I said, they're, they're very hit and miss, but some of them have been pretty good. Uh, and then next is age of Conan Valeria. And uh, that's another spin off of the Conan series that's going on right now in Marvel now that they got those, um, those rights back. Punisher Kill Crew, number one. That's a new series by Jerry Duggan. And uh, it's spinning out of War of Realms take it with it what you will if you love the Punisher this could be a great series for you to check out especially because I know Jerry Duggan is writing I think he's writing the Punisher on Savage Avengers and I've only read the first issue of Savage Avengers but that was pretty good so if you like uh if you like Punisher this may be a good comic for you to check out Gwenpool Strikes Back number one uh as we all know Gwenpool is kind of a, a newer character she is a she is Deadpool in female form, and she's got a really strange backstory. I read a couple of the, her issue, initial issues from a couple years ago, and I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny. She breaks the fourth wall just like Deadpool, and she's from a alternate universe where I think it's that she knows, everyone in that universe knows of Marvel and Marvel Comics, and she somehow ended up in our universe now, so she's able to break the fourth wall, but knows everything about all the comic book characters, that sort of stuff. It's pretty funny. Uh, and then there's a new a new series. I don't know if this is the first one. I think it's the second because I think the first one was Fantastic Four: The Prodigal Son, and uh, this one is Silver Surfer: The Prodigal Son, which is a series of one shots that I'm sure they'll compile into one trade paperback. Or if you're watching on Mar- or following on Marvel Unlimited, you'll you'll be able to enjoy those in six months. Absolute Carnage is coming out with a couple of uh, spin-off books. You're getting Absolute Carnage Scream uh, by Cullen Bunn, and then Absolute Carnage Separation Anxiety, along with Conan the Barbarian Exodus, which is a uh, really interesting one. I actually I, I pre-ordered this one, so I'll be getting this one in the mail uh, at the end of the month, hopefully. Uh, it's all by Isad Ribic, the guy who does the art for Conan and has uh, he's done the art for a lot of things Jonathan Hickman used him with Secret Wars Jason Aaron did uh, was working with him in Thor and he's working with him in this, but this issue is strictly Isad. so the cover art is by him, the interior art is by him, and the story is by him, so I had to check that out, because I'm a huge fan of his, and it's a one-shot, so it's, it's, um, you know, it's not necessary, but like I said, his, 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 uh, artwork is art, so whenever I'm looking at it, it's, it's like looking at a painting, so it's definitely worth checking out, uh, Marvel thought that, uh, Immortal Hulk was good, um, uh, they probably thought it was great because everyone thought it was great because it is great, and in doing so, they've decided, in all of their infinite wisdom, to release *Immortal Hulk* director's cut number one. Now, uh, no, looking at the previews uh, for the coming months, they're doing this for quite a few of them. I think I think they're at least doing it up to issue five or issue six. Where it's essentially a much larger comic. I think it's either $5.99 or $6.99, but you're getting the full first issue plus a bunch of bonuses, including I'm I'm sure they're going to do pencils and script work and stuff from Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. Uh, if you're a fan of Immortal Hulk, and again, most people are, that's going to be a book to check out for sure. But if you're somebody who can kind of see through what this is, you may not. You may want to pass on that that price tag. Uh, for those of you, though, who are very passionate on the art and the story as well, these books are really cool because not only do you get the original story, you get essentially the story breakdown. So you can see the pencils, you can see the art, and you can see all of that. So okay, it's it's take it or leave it. And then along those same lines, we're getting X-Factor 87, the facsimile edition, which is a uh, Marvel's been doing this for a while now, for at least the last year, where every month they're coming out with They put a couple of comics out in the facsimile edition, which is essentially the exact comic with all of the ads from when that comic came out. So uh, last week, or or no, 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 I'm sorry, the the previews for October. In October, for example, Amazing Fantasy 15 is going to be a uh, facsimile edition. So you're getting the first appearance of Spider-Man, that famous issue from way back when. And it comes with all the same ads that it included in that 1962, 1964. Man, I always used to pride myself on memorizing the exact date that that came out. But um, the only difference is you're not getting the exact same cover price. You're paying full cover price for those issues. So X Factor 87 comes at a 3.99 cover price, not the one I'm assuming based on the covers is probably a 90s comic um i don't know way less than (laughs) 3.99 certainly for spider-man spider-man's is 4.99 the amazing fantasy 15 and that comic was like 15 cents when it came out so um i don't know why they're doing that besides the fact that people are going to pay for it and and do it that way that's fine uh the big one though obviously for the week is next which is powers of x2 by jonathan hickman um if anyone's been following this podcast, uh, I'm in love with this series. I'm in love with his House of X series, and again, that's powers of ten written as powers of X. So um, expect big things to come out of this, or at least maybe some more explanations. All I can tell you right now is on the cover of this um, of this magazine, you've got. You've got a large saber-tooth, and then below that is Magneto, Mystique, Toad, and Emma Frost. So maybe there's going to be some sort of Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, reunion. Who knows, because Powers of Ten is supposedly dealing with the year 10, year 100, year 1000. Uh, That could be crazy. Who knows? What if it's the Brotherhood in all of those time periods? You never know. And then uh, you got Star Wars Target Vader, which is uh, another kind of spinoff series. I think it's a five-issue series um, about Darth Vader. I haven't been a huge fan of a lot of the Star Wars um, series that have come out. And I I love Star Wars, don't get me wrong. But, um, I don't know, like I said, a lot of them have been hit or miss. And uh, I don't know if any of you have noticed, but... uh, the fire alarm or the smoke alarm in my house just went off and I actually had to pause and um, do a little re-edit but man if I'd have just my my wife's cooking bacon and if I had just waited maybe 10 minutes that alarm would have sounded right when I was talking about Powers of X and I don't think there could have been anything more fitting than sounding the alarm for that that amazing series uh forget about Target Vader uh Wednesday is all about Powers of X and uh I know it. Apparently, my wife knows it. The bacon knows it, and the, old, the smoke alarm knows it. So um, that's a little bit of behind-the-scenes trivia <laughs> for the for the comics and cinema podcast. Um, so now, now you guys are aware of that first appearance of uh, the smoke alarm. Next up, we got Swordmaster number two. Like I said, I'm reading Arrow uh, as it comes out monthly. Swordmaster is kind of in the same vein. It's it's um, those uh, Asian characters. And this one also comes with Shang-Chi as well, and they're advertising that on the cover, Shang-Chi, and Master of Kung Fu. But I, I, I am only going to get the first issue of this one, and for the rest, I'm just going to wait for it on Marvel Unlimited, uh, unless that first issue blows my mind, and I, I feel like I need to read that immediately. Uh, number Next up is uh, Loki, number two. Uh, like I said, haven't read the first issue, but I believe this is, this is taking place after War of Realms, and uh, the cover's got Iron Man sneaking up behind him take that with what you will. The second comic that I will be getting this week is Silver Surfer Black number 3 by Donny Cates and Trad Moore as i've said for the last two issues uh, this has just been a knock out of the park this series is so good and it's only five issues it's a very short mini series but the art is is incredibly trippy and if you are are, uh, wondering you know oh really what does that mean just look at the cover art for this issue because the cover art alone on this issue is absolutely nuts the colors are great the uh, Just the art style itself is very fluid and weird in the best way possible, and the story isn't bad either. It's got Null from uh, uh, from Venom lore, so if you're enjoying Absolute Carnage, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this series ties in eventually to Absolute Carnage or that there's just some sort of tie-in to Venom or something within this series because it's Donny Cates. He loves tying his stuff uh, in with other things. And, um, so yeah, that's a, that's one I would highly recommend. And then the third one I'm getting this week is Symbiote Spider-Man number five by Peter David and Greg Land. And, uh, originally I had, I got this issue because, uh, Ron Lim was doing variant covers for this uh, series. And so I have the variant covers for the first four issues, but this fifth and final issue, it's a mini series has no variant covers. So I don't know why it's really weird, but the story has been good so far. It's a, um, it's kind of a, a set-in-place story of when Spider-Man had the symbiote suit, along with a battle basically against Mysterio. So obviously this series came out right when Far From Home sort of came out, uh, or right before they kind of were trying to tie it in, so they've got the whole Mysterio aspect to it. It's been good. It it, uh, definitely hasn't been one of my favorite comics, but it's always nice to see Spider-Man in the black suit. I always love seeing Mysterio as well, and Black Cat's been in it too, along with Kingpin. So if you're a fan of those characters, i definitely recommend picking it up. But uh, hey, it looks like we're on issue five right now. So that means next month, uh, I, yeah, next month, issue one should be on Marvel Unlimited. Next up is Invaders 8 by uh, Chip Zdarsky. Uh, that's something else that I'm following on Marvel Unlimited, but the eighth issue is coming out this week, along with the eighth issue of Marvel Comics Presents. And then also Captain Marvel number nine. Uh, for any of you comic book collectors out there, these comics are actually selling out surprisingly. So apparently there was a... And I'm actually pretty bummed about this. There was a a first appearance in Captain Marvel eight, and uh, for I think the person's name is is Star. I am not sure. I haven't read it. But the series this the issue sold out almost immediately. And the only reason I wanted to get that issue was because there was a, a an amazing Carnage variant cover where uh, half of it is uh captain marvel and the other half is her kind of getting covered with the carnage symbiote and the artist who does it i think it was like jung Yoon soon or something like that they it just it, they killed it but both the variant cover and the main cover completely sold out and they're already selling for like twenty dollars on ebay because of uh, obviously this first appearance. And so I figured, oh, okay. And then I, I pre ordered this issue nine way back when because the cover art is by Mark Brooks. And I think I've talked about this in the past, but Mark Brooks is a painter. He's a painting god. These covers are incredible. So if you want some beautiful covers of Carol, this one is Carol in, uh, it looks like a puddle of water. And in her reflection, it's her in her Cree costume. And it just looks so good, so I pre-ordered that, and I think the next few issues as well, because Brooks is doing the, the covers on it, and each and every cover is just, it's a knockout. Um, but I don't know what's going on in the story, so I'll find out more when, uh, when I read it. Uh, issue 9 of Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Issue 9 of Ironheart, Riri Williams Ironheart, and on the cover it says Riri Williams Ironheart goes to Wakanda, and uh, looks like it could be an interesting issue. That's written by Eve Ewing, and I've read the first few issues on Marvel Unlimited and really like that series. Uh, Issue 10 of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, another great series. Issue 13 of Fantastic Four. Issue 17 of Doctor Strange. Issue 17 of Venom. Um, so that one's coming out as well, uh, and I'll be reading that one for sure. I'm, I'm getting that one. And then uh, issue 27 of The Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer. I'm not currently reading that. I'm following that on Marvel Unlimited, but if you like Spider-Man, I know that's a great issue or a great series. I'm sorry. Uh, I've heard a lot of really good things about um, Nick Spencer, and I've, I've read through everything on Marvel Unlimited, plus I got the hunted storyline, and uh, I've liked all of it. And then Star Wars, Dr. Aphra number issue 35 I'm kind of surprised it's gotten so far uh in my opinion the quality dipped after uh Kieran I think it was Kieran Gillen who started writing it and and when I was reading it midway through it was Cy Spurrier and I just I don't know I I fell off of it but uh it was a good series I like her as a character I wouldn't mind seeing a movie about her and then the unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 47 we're getting close to the ending of that series I think it ends on issue 50 but those are all the comics that are coming out on Wednesday and um you know, and let me know too, because uh, I try to keep these podcasts as concise as possible. And obviously, I can I can talk for a while. Do you guys want me to uh, explain the comics that are coming out on Wednesday in the Monday the Monday podcast, or would you rather me explain them on the Wednesday podcast? Let me know uh, whatever way you would like to let me know, and I can I can obviously make a correction on that end. So now we're going to move into Marvel Unlimited. So these are the series and issues that. Uh, have come out on Marvel Unlimited today. I am reviewing and have read almost all of them. So I'm going to start with the ones that I didn't review. And uh, just so you know that they're out there, they're on there to be checked out. Uh, first one, Wolverine, Wolverine the Long Night Adaption number two. That's based off of the podcast of uh, Wolverine the Long Night that was on Stitcher. Uh, it's on podcast now, the Apple podcast. So I honestly would recommend checking out the podcast version I read the first, and I, I, I briefly skimmed through this one as well. It's shot for shot and line for line, the podcast version. The only difference is in most situations, your mind is going to make up a better story of what every, what every what's going on than what it could be drawn. And in this case, that's that's what happened. So it's not a bad issue by any means. It's just that if you're looking to save a little bit of money, you could listen to the podcast instead of reading it. Um, But they're there. They're on Marvel Unlimited. They're free. So you want to check it out. That's great. It's essentially a story about Wolverine in um, a small town in Alaska. And these two uh, agents are investigating some grisly murders that took place in in the area. And they think it's Wolverine. And and it, it goes a lot deeper than that. It was a really good story. And uh, like I said, I recommend checking it out. Killmonger number four is on Marvel Unlimited. I didn't start reading that. I think I read the first issue and I I wasn't too big a fan of the art. So I I stopped reading on that one. Asgardians of the Galaxy issue six. uh, Same thing. It was just, you know, again, there's a lot of comics to read on Marvel Unlimited every week. So there's certain ones that I I just, I, I won't follow. Along with Deadpool number nine and Star Wars issue 61. But the rest of them I read, and we're going to go in alphabetical order. So the first story that I read was Age of X-Men, The Marvelous X-Men, issue number one. Like I said last week, they had the one-shot kind of introducing the new status quo uh, that uh, X-Men had created. And uh, they start with this here. Everyone's a mutant, special, powerful, individual. No more strife, oppression, or dependence. The Age of X-Men, a dream made real, a dream that must be protected at any cost." And so, the X-Men team in this series, and before we start, writers are Zach Thompson and Lottie Nadler with artist Marco uh, Fela and color artist Matt Mia and letterer, who else but VCs Joe Caramanga, you kidding me? Uh, with beautiful cover by Phil Noto as well, but it uh, the series follows the marvelous X-Men who are Colossus, Storm, Magneto, Nature Girl, X-23, Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, and X-Man. And uh, it's a really interesting story because obviously they're in this world where uh, everyone's a mutant and it pairs really well with Uncanny X-Men 11 that's out this week as well just because they're two sides of the same coin essentially we're dealing with a world without X-Men and then the world where all the X-Men ended up going to. And so in this one, everyone loves them and they all live on the same cul-de-sac. Every, every one of those X-Men characters all have a house on the same cul-de-sac and they're all doing their own thing in their own house. It's really cool to see. And, uh, eventually there's like a, an alarm in the middle of their cul-de-sac that goes off saying the X-Men are needed. And there's a giant fire in uh, Los Angeles and a bunch of people are in danger, but you learn a little bit more about the world. So you find out again, everyone's a mutant, but no one is together. Everyone is an individual. So they keep pushing this individuality, this autonomy, because bonding with others can be dangerous. And I'm sure we're going to find out in depth more why, because they even bust into this, uh, or, or the uh, the building that's burning down on one of the floors is a mutant pod facility where they're growing mutants so who knows if that maybe ties into uh jonathan hickman's run possible we will see but uh obviously the x-men save the day but it, the, what's more important about it is it's setting up this really interesting dynamic between the x-men because x23 starts remembering some things from her past and is like what's going on and x-man tries to explain to her like um he basically explains to her what what it is. He tells her the truth, and he's like, "I'm not gonna fix that. Like, this is the reason why we're here." Yada yada yada. It um it's just really interesting to see that he's got that much power that he's able to alter the entire uh, fabric of existence, and people don't really question it. But even when people question it, he's able to talk them out of it. And um so yeah, I would recommend reading this one. It was good. Again, these are these are free issues, so anything X Men I am eating up right now. And it's funny Hickman's run currently is making me appreciate both these uh, these miniseries of Age H- and uh, Matthew Rosenberg's Uncanny X-Men that I'm following right now, which as we'll get to towards the end, since it starts with a U. But suffice to say, I loved that issue as well. So yeah, this is a great great series. Highly recommend jumping in on it. It's the first issue. Next up is Avengers issue number 14 by. Jason Aaron and David Marquez on arts and color artist Justin Ponzor and Eric Arciniega, along with lettering by, uh, do I even need to say it? VC's Corey Petit. Um, and then the cover is also by David Marquez and Justin Ponzor with a quick, very quick rest in peace to Justin Ponzor a great guy, I actually got to meet him at the Denver Comic Con a couple years ago, he signed a copy of my Invincible Iron Man number one, and um, he was just super cool, he, I, when I, I got to talk with him for um, some some time, we we had chit-chatted about comics, and he just, he was a really cool guy, and uh, I started, so after that, I started following him, him on Twitter, and he uh, had started sharing some stuff about his brain cancer. He had brain cancer, and, and uh, I think he'd had a couple treatments here and there that had helped. And then one day I just saw a post on Twitter that he had passed away, and it was heartbreaking because um, not just for him being you know a fellow human, uh, but also because his, his work has just been phenomenal. Any time, any book, you can tell he's the one doing the colors because his colors are so vibrant and um they just stand out so well he did um what are some of the ones he did he did civil war 2 he did invincible iron man and obviously this current series so again uh, rest in peace rest in power i uh, i'm glad i got to meet him but this story is called the fall of castle dracula and I would say this is one of my top picks for the week. I actually already read these issues. I personally purchased them as they've they come out in stores. The Avengers series has just been so good. And Jason Aaron has brought that same flair that he has for Thor, for War of the Realms, um, in this book. And has been no different. I mean, this story is all about vampires. So if you're a huge fan of vampires, and I mean, even on the first page, just Jason Aaron is... Is sort of like a. He reminds me of not Metallica, but sort of that. Basically, all of the series that he writes, you would be like, of course, Jason Aaron would write that. Like he's doing Thor, he's doing Conan, just these these huge big fighters, the you know brawn over brains, the um, just that. I guess it's rock music. I don't know. Whenever I read his stuff, I just picture a, a Viking ship that's, uh, you know, being you know, Led Zeppelin's playing and all that stuff. And that's no different in here. So he's got, in the first, the first panel, talking about the attack is sudden and brutally efficient while swarms of bats rain napalm on the parapets. Rats fitted with sunburst grenades scurry through the castle's labyrinthian corridors, reducing its inhabitants to wailing husks. Like, Oh, man, it's just the battle against these vampires is insane. And it's interesting because the story is, and I, I'm going to try not to spoil a lot of this, but some of this is background from the prior issues. Uh, the vampires are fighting each other. There's a vampire war going on. And there's actually this um, this person called the Shadow Colonel and his Legion of the Unliving. And you'll find out in future ep- issues who that Shadow Colonel is. But I'm looking at this, this uh, page here, and it's got... The, the Shadow Legion is a dog with a face that's a skull. The, uh, the Shadow Colonel is just... He looks like he's wearing a gas mask. He has a mini-man thing on his shoulder. And then there's three other vampires behind him that look equally frightening... It's, uh, it's just crazy. And so they're looking for Dracula. They want to kill him, but who's on the Avengers team right now blade. So if you're a huge fan of blade, or if you're excited about the news of blade coming into the MCU, this series is just perfect right now because the entire cast is essentially the characters from the movie, black Panthers in the Avengers, captain Marvel's on the Avengers, uh, she Hulk ghost rider, captain America, iron man, Thor, and then, um, maybe a few others. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you love seeing Blade with cool quips killing vampires, then this is your story. And uh, you also get to see Black Panther and Iron Man destroying vampires together, along with Thor and Captain America. And what I want to point out in this issue, this issue has one of my favorite bits about Captain America in it. So if you're a fan of Captain America, check this issue out 100%. And I will not spoil the uh the context of this but i just i have to say it uh yeah and again so i won't say the, the context but captain america is busting out of a church and he says you fellows came looking for a free meal and i'm all for feeding those in need but those good people aren't on the menu i am So come take a bite if you've got the stomach for it. And he's standing outside of this church holding a cross and his shield. But while that's going on, Jason Aaron's writing a little bit about it, and he's saying Steve Rogers can't remember the last time that he was inside a church. It was probably a funeral for an old army buddy or one of those superhero weddings that always end in a big fight. Either way, he most likely left early. It's not that Steve Rogers doesn't care for church. Some men are just too busy standing to ever stop and kneel. Mic drop. Holy cow. It just, oh, like I said, Jason Aaron just has a way with words and a way of making these scenes seem so hard rock. Like, oh, it just kills it. And then you get some good bits with Ghost Rider and and, She-Hulk. And then eventually, again, the whole point of this is they're trying to stop this whole fight But at the same time, the shadow colonel is looking for Dracula to try and kill Dracula. And what's interesting is Ghost Rider factors heavily into the series because of his demon leanings. And that gets explored in here along with future episodes. You also get a little cameo from the Winter Guard uh, in Russia, which is coming out in the new black widow movie. So if you want to check out some of that too, and also there is a surprise, incredibly brilliant cameo on the last page of this, which I absolutely will not reveal because it is totally worth it. But suffice to say, when you see it, you're going to go, Oh my God, that son of a gun. Um, so that's Avengers 14, and like I said, check it out, read it, probably one of my faves of the week. Next up is Champions, issue number two, by Jim Zub and Stephen Cummings, with color art by Marcio Menyes, and letters, who, who, it's Clayton Cowles, guys, come on, keep up, uh, VCs Clayton Cowles, and uh, this this issue is interesting. Again, we're only two issues in, but uh, essentially the story at this point is the champions are being champions. That's the team of younger superheroes. You've got Miles Morales, Viv Vision, Miss Marvel, Braun, which is the Amadeus Cho Hulk, Nova, but he doesn't have his powers anymore, and... uh, there's a couple of, there's a ton actually. There's a lot of people in here, you know, off and on, but right now I think those are the ones who are dealing with it. But essentially in issue one, you find out that Mephisto, something is going on with uh, Spider Man and Braun and Mephisto's in on it, and this issue, we find out what that is, and during the issue, they're fighting Zaz, which I've never seen Zaz in the comics, I know he's been in them, but I've never read any of them, so it was nice to see him, Uh, my brother and I used to laugh all the time at Zaz when we were younger, because the name was just so crazy, but uh, it was a good issue, and I'm really trying to figure out, look, at the end of this first issue, you see that Mephisto's there, it's very clear that somebody made a deal with the devil, and in this issue we find out yep they did make a deal with the devil but the question that I have now is what's the cost because Mephisto's saying no 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 there's there's uh, there's no strings attached on this one and I just I don't I don't buy it and I don't I don't think they buy it I certainly don't buy it so we'll see what happens in this one uh, I'm interested now uh I wasn't as interested off the first issue but now I'm kind of interested I want to see what what happens with this daredevil daredevil issue number one i wish it was daredevil uh two issues instead of one that would be great written by chip Zdarsky and art by marco chiquetto and uh, color by sunny go along with guys i already told you his name it's bc's clayton Cowles. uh this is a new series that is is trying to uh, compete with charles sewell series that just ended a couple of uh, weeks ago, Charles Sewell's series was incredible. It was so good. He brought Daredevil not only back to his roots, but kind of gave him the push that he needed to do certain things. He made Daredevil mayor, or he made Matt Murdock mayor. He gave Daredevil some great action scenes. The art was incredible. It was just it, it, a tough uh, a tough bar to get across for the next people. But I think it's possible that Chip's going to be able to do it because this story is really interesting. Uh, we find out that essentially uh, he's getting he's gotten better. And I'll, I'll say this too, if you're a fan of the Daredevil TV show, this is going to be a good jumping on point because they deal a little bit with when he was younger, dealing with the priest and his dad, but then um, also current day and uh daredevil the police are kind of after daredevil because it's still mayor fisk wilson fisk the kingpin is mayor of new york and he has it out for superheroes right now so um, matt murdoch has to kind of operate in the shadows but what happens towards the end And not necessarily a spoiler just because, you know, you knew it was going to happen sometime. But basically, he fights some people and gets away just before the police come. But now they're after him. And they're after him for specifically something that happened to those people. I'm sure you can guess what it is. But uh, you'll get to that final page in the comic because it's really good. Marco Cicchetto, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right because his art is some of my favorite. He's one of my favorite artists right now. He's one of the young guns at Marvel. And for good reason. He... Reminds me a lot of Steve McNiven, but almost a grittier Steve McNiven in a good way. Uh I would a hundred percent recommend this issue to read. Uh then we've got one that may not need to be recommended so highly, and that is one of the Marvel eightieth anniversary issues, this one being Gunhawks. Last week we read the issue of um Strange was a Strange Worlds and or a journey into unknown worlds, and that issue was actually not bad. This one not so much. So the writers were David and Maria Lapham. So um, I guess maybe a couple. I have no idea who they are or what work they've done. The art is Luca Pizari with color art by uh, Niraj Menon and Rochelle Rosenberg. Oh, but you know what? VC's Travis Lanham. I think he filled it out nice. The, the lettering looks great. But um, the issue is just a... It's literally a one-shot, one-off issue about a cowboy who comes back into town and there's some bad guys chasing after him, and he has to fight them off, that's that's literally it, so even though it's on Marvel Unlimited, if you value your time, I wouldn't bother reading it, just because after I finished reading it, I didn't, nothing changed, N- inside me nothing changed, I was like, oh, okay, I just read a cool cowboy story, and it was, I mean, it was interesting, it's not often that you get to see that much shooting with guns, like old-timey cowboy guns, but besides that, it, like I said, it you could skip it. That's fine. But this next issue that I'm about to talk about, you cannot skip. And that is The Immortal Hulk, issue number 13, by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett with uh, Ree, Ree, Jose with Bellardino Bravo and Rafael Fontires on inks. Paul Mounts is the colorist and VCs Court Petit lettering. Uh VC is unstoppable this week. It's crazy. They've been in everything. Um, this issue just goes and builds off of the last issue just like every issue before it. Immortal Hulk is one of those series that is gonna be a once-in-a-lifetime kind of series for this kind of character. I- I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, I know a lot of people who are Hulk fans. I, I like the Hulk, but I never thought that he could carry his own series. And there's been a couple of times where he has, or at least he's shown me that he has, in The Indestructible Hulk. The first six issues were really interesting. And uh, I liked World War Hulk. I liked Planet Hulk. Those ones were great. But besides that, there's just been a lot of... Just like with the X-Men, there's been a lot of treading water. And this is just... Uh, not that at all this is a horror series this is a reimagining of who the hulk is and not only that but al ewing puts in all of these weird out there concepts about i mean every story starts with a cool quote a creepy cool quote and then there's always stuff talking about gods and monsters and the art is so um it's like cronenberg it's it's very body horror art in a a great way and so what's happening right now is hulk is in hell and his father is um sort of the devil i don't think we've actually i I, there's so much open to interpretation in this book and they do it on purpose but his father is there and he's in this weird hell realm Uh, he opened the green door and that took him to the one below all who is this giant monster and like I said, the devil's there. I'm honestly, I'm going to have to reread this series uh, once it's done to probably get the full scope. Cause a lot of times I'm like, whoa, like maybe that went a little bit over my head more so than Hickman, surprisingly, just because the kind con- it's like, because I want to know more. It's like, okay, so is his dad the devil? There's a shot in here where it shows him as the devil. Like it shows a, a half of his face, his father's face, and then half of like a devil face. And it's like, oh, so does that mean he's the devil? But. Crusher Creel, the absorbing man, is in this and has a great, a great, um, shining moment along with Puck and, uh, this reporter who's been following the Hulk around trying to write this story. It's just, it's, it's mind bending. It's, it's sort of like Silver Surfer Black in that the art is really mind bending, but it's not as, um, this art is more concrete than trad moore's art it's just that the way the thing i'm looking at a page right now and there's like 17 different monsters fighting the hulk and they all just have like multiple arms and gaping mouths and giant eyes and weird arms it's just oh it's crazy check it out this is a highly recommended series i i think anyone you talk to is going to recommend this series so i would i would recommend it as well check it out read it love it just like me next up is issue number one of old man quill this is a spin-off of a spin-off that's from old man logan and then went to old man hawkeye and now we're in old man quill written by ethan sacks art by robert gill colors by andres Massa, and uh, who else but joe caramanga doing the lettering and um uh, just like those other series, it takes place in the future. Peter Quill is now the Emperor of Spartax, and what I found interesting was he has two kids named Jason and Meredith, which is cool in honor of his father and his mother. But um, I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end of this issue. Suffice to say, what happens in the issue is the Church of the Universal Church of Truth. Is, is rearing its head, and so that's kind of I uh, supposedly going to be the, the main bad guy, I, sp- I suppose you could say, in the future. Makes sense. But what happens is Star-Lord says, okay, we're going to take our forces and take the fight to them and just get them before they can get us, essentially. Sounds like a plan, just like Iron Man did in Infinity War. And so he flies there, flies to their big ship, gets on, there's fighting, and then he meets the main person, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we were expecting you. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, that's because. And he's like, they're. He's like, where's your god? Because you know they all worship a god, and they don't show who that is. But he's, she's like, oh, the god's are not here right now. Um, he's busy completely destroying your planet while you guys are here. And it's like, oh, what? And so the next scene is Star-Lord flying back to his planet, and there's this giant mark of the Universal Church of Truth in the planet. It's the uh, it's the cross with the circle on top. It looks like an ankh. But um, so, yeah, essentially he cost his entire planet, and, and they all died. Everybody died. And then it just fast-forwards to the future, and the Guardians arrive to get him out of his funk. And they're all old, too and like i said i won't reveal what happens at the end but it looks like it's going to be a very interesting series i really liked old man hawkeye and i loved old man logan and i'm hoping this one won't be any different the first issue has not disappointed next is star wars age of the republic anakin skywalker As many of you may not know, and I am going to risk losing the thousands of subscribers that I already have, uh, my favorite Star Wars movies are the prequels and uh that is a issue for another time like i said in the future before episode 9 comes out i am going to be rewatching all of the star wars movies some of them i haven't seen in a very long time so i'm going to have a definitive list of which ones i like more than others that sort of thing but as it stands the prequels are my favorite and i think that's because that's what i grew up with obviously when i was younger i was exposed to the original star wars as well but when you're a kid How much cooler is it to see Darth Maul than it is to see a little puppet Yoda? And with that said, how much cooler is it to see Yoda fighting Count Dooku than it is to see a little puppet Yoda sipping from his soup in his bed? Uh, And that's, again, that's just me. That doesn't mean that the original Star Wars trilogy is bad. I love the original Star Wars trilogy as well. This is like comparing apples to... um, other apples, I guess you could say. I was going to say green apples, but I don't like green apples very much, so that's not a good comparison. But I love all of them. I'm just saying my favorites are the prequels. And so I was really excited for this series of uh, the one-shots. Like I said, the newest ones are coming out on Wednesday, but the prequels are now hitting uh, Marvel Unlimited. What they've been doing is they've been choosing four or five characters from each set of stories and writing a one-shot for each of them, along with a sort of special that highlights three people so for age of the republic it was uh and i think they're even going to have a photo in here of it but it was anakin skywalker and then yep uh, anakin skywalker count dooku padme uh it might be four and four actually i think it's four villains and four heroes because they've also already done qui-gon jinn and uh they uh i think they did obi-wan kenobi as well but it looks like they're going to be doing general grievous padme and then it goes into the age of rebellion and they're doing princess leia but some of these have been great i've really enjoyed them but some like i said they're hit and miss and so this one is uh the people working on it jody hauser is the writer art by cory smith and wilton santos along with inking by walden wong and uh, color by java tartaglia and then letters by V.C.'s Travis Lanham, so he's even uh, doing Star Wars stuff, which is it's impressive how much time they have to, to do this. But like I said, this story is is a one-and-done, completely unnecessary story to read. The story is called The Sacrifice, and I'm not even going to spoil what happens in it by just telling you exactly what happens in it, because there's nothing to spoil. Uh, and this is it follows Anakin when he, basically during episode three, he's a general now, and they're planning an attack on a base that's building droids, and Anakin finds out that there are people working there as well, and says, well, wait a minute, we should probably get these people who are working there out first so they don't die. And the Admiral says, well, but if we do that, we're going to send our own men in and they're going to die. And so, Ad, um, Anakin says, well, I'll check it out for myself. And he flies to the place and turns out oh, the people who are there, they're not working there. They're slaves. And what, what does Anakin hate more than anything? It's slavery. And so he, um, he, he, he slaughters them. He slaughters all of them. The, the men, the women, even the children, and uh, no, that's not what happens. He, uh, he slaughters all of the droids, but he basically frees all the slaves, gives them guns and says, you, you guys can do it. And then flies away and gets back to his ship. And the admiral like, wow, like congrats you that we had no idea. That's what it was going to be. The bad guys basically planned that on purpose so that when we attacked and killed them, they could blame it on us and say, Ooh, the Republic kills slaves and um and they're like oh well do you think this is going to get more people to recruit for us it's like dude, does it really even matter um order 66 is about to come out and uh we know that nothing comes after that so it it uh, it was i like i said i don't it's not even necessary to read some of them are good but this one this one you can 100 percent skip uh next up tony stark iron man issue number eight uh this is a part three of stark realities and this is another one where um I'm, kinda, I'm, I'm still on the fence with this series. Dan Slott is writing it, and I love Dan Slott. He did great on Spider-Man, and uh, he's been doing pretty well on Fantastic Four as well. Art by Valero Sheedy and uh, color artist Edgar Delgado. I will say this as well. I hope I pronounced Valero, Valar, Valerio's name properly because the art is anything but Sheedy. It's, uh, it's great. The art was great at least. And letters by VCs Joe Karamanga as well. But the story is about Iron Man creating this VR technology where anyone can wear it. It's like a half of the... It's the faceplate of the Iron Man mask. And when you put it on, you're in a VR. And uh, things didn't go well when the launch happened. So they launched the game. And uh, this controller is now controlling the game. And it's basically what's happening in the game they're doing in real life so they're having to stop iron man has to stop all these people all over the world who are playing this game otherwise things are going to happen it's crazy and i wish i could have just read you what it says in the beginning it's got a recap of what happens and what has happened but i just i i kind of skimmed through the last issue and i tried reading this issue too but it's just i don't know i'm not uh, i I am more of a fan of the MCU Iron Man than I am of the comic book Iron Man. And that's because I thought Iron Man was a really interesting character before the movies. And it seems like ever since the movies, they've tried to base his character more on the Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark than they have on the Tony Stark that was already happening in the comics. They've just made him a lot more quippy, a lot. Uh, essentially robert downey jr and it's i don't know like i said it's just been kind of hit or miss with me and they've been doing some weird things with his world back in the day they or you know a year or so ago tony found out that he was adopted and that was really interesting but now they've kind of put that on the wayside for this this whole uh, game and the ending of this issue is kind of weird as well Uh, tony's mom gets involved And there's just some weird reveals. Like I said, I don't know where it's going, and I'm sure there's a couple more issues to explain, but right now I am officially on the Iron Man fence. Um, Next up is Uncanny X-Men, issue number 11 by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Salvador LaRocca with color art by uh, Rochelle Rosenberg as well. That has to be Matthew Matthew Rosenberg's um, significant other, I've got to think. And then there's also two other stories in here one called Wolverine Returns uh, with art by John McCrea and color art by Mike Spencer. And then the last blindfold story with art by Juanan Ramirez and color art by Rochelle Rosenberg as well. And can you guys guess who did the lettering? Um, It wasn't Clayton Cowles. It was VC's Joe Caramanga, but, or Caramanga, is it Caramanga? Caramagna. But this is the newest issue in this Uncanny X-Men run, and I can't recommend this run highly enough. Uh, I did I purchased the first issue when it came out, and I've been reading it since on Marvel Unlimited. And it, the, the first 10 issues are one story, and it, it's just essentially a nonstop giant fight between the X-Men and X-Man, which leads into, like I said, the Age of X-Men series. Is. But what happens is X-Man takes all of the mutants away. They're all gone. And so this is just, this This story is called This Is Forever. And it takes place, so, assumedly, right after the X-Men Annual that came out last week. Or maybe two, yeah, no, two weeks ago, X-Men Annual came out. And that explained how Cyclops came back from the dead. And it was really cool. After reading this issue, I, I want to say that this is my pick of the week. This is the comic that I would recommend reading first or the only comic if you're going to read it would be this comic because it's a 72-page story uh, with ads. It's 64 pages total. But it it's just, like I said before, reading Hickman's stuff right now makes you appreciate this story so much more because you can tell that Matthew Rosenberg had this idea of what can I write about the X-Men knowing that that none of it is going to, like, basically none of it is going to matter at the end of the day because Hickman's doing this, so I can write whatever I want, and Marvel was like, yeah, if this is what you want to do, do it, and that's what he's d- done, so he's, you know, characters have died, he's made all the X-Men disappear, he's bringing certain characters back, and we all know that it's just going to lead to this endpoint in issue 22, right before House of X, And so, there's just a lot of interesting things. So, in my opinion, if you're bored right now, read the extermination five issue miniseries that goes over the young x-men the original five uh, angel beast cyclops gene gray and Iceman. they all come back Uh, beast brings them back a long time years ago beast brought them back into the present from the past to try and get them to see what's been going on to try and change things that was his idea of maybe if we change the past we can change the future because every single issue is about how people hate the X-Men, and maybe if you guys learn from our mistakes, you can go back in the past. So this extermination, which was like five years after that happened, this extermination five-issue miniseries is about them going back. And what happens at the very end of that series, and I won't say how, but at the very end of that series, Cyclops comes back, the real one, the 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 one who died from the Inhumans versus X-Men series. And so it was like, holy cow! And there was a couple of cool reveals in there too, including a younger version of Cable. Who kills his older version of himself which was so crazy and that's when i was like okay this series and if if there's stuff like this where they're not afraid to take risks i'm gonna read those stories so if you read that and then read the x-men annual and you can read that x-men annual at the x-men run through 10 so read extermination 1 through 5 uncanny x-men 1 through 10 and then the uncanny x-men annual shows how cyclops came back and now this issue deals with cyclops is back and he's back in this world. But here's the recap page in this story. After a pitched battle, the X-Men were wiped out without a trace. They are presumed dead. That's it. That's absolutely it. So it's like, well, shoot, what are they going to talk about for this whole time? And uh, it's essentially a story about how Cyclops is dealing with this tragedy. The entire world is now humans and they are basically taking dumps on mutant kind there's i mean the first thing is uh there's a a a statue kind of like the avengers statue with all the avengers of the x-men in front of in front of worthington building and there's these kids that are defacing it with graffiti and cyclops comes and kind of stops them but then the story just it just picks up with just more and more terrible things are kind of happening and it's it's nice to finally get some focus on cyclops being just a regular guy but the sto- he he doesn't believe the x-men are dead and, so, and he shouldn't because they're not but he's kind of trying to figure out what's going on and if you notice i believe the cover art of this okay so it doesn't show it exactly but I mean you can tell especially because this is six months past but he finds wolverine in this issue or wolverine finds him and you kind of see why like i said there's three stories in here so there's three main characters there's only a few mutants left and so it's cyclops blindfold um jamie madrox multiple man uh wolverine and um a couple of morlocks but you also get some guest appearances by a couple of, I wouldn't say a couple of the Avengers. I would just call them maybe the Avengers from, if you liked Captain America Winter Soldier, the characters from Captain America Winter Soldier are in this as well. But uh, seeing him in this state is, is so interesting to me, again, because of the new status quo we have with Jonathan Hickman. It's just making these stories so much more fun to read. So like I said, that's my pick of the week because this whole Uncanny X-Men run has just been a weird breath of fresh air, not not the same type of fresh air that Hickman is breathing, but just this knowing that anything could happen in this series because it end, we know that it ends and we know that it doesn't have anything to do with House of X. Rosenberg can do what he wants in this series and and based on what I've read with previews he does do whatever he wants so not know like it's it's rare that you can read a comic and be like oh man oh man is somebody gonna die is somebody gonna whatever because it's comics nobody ever dies but he's doing that in this in these series so that's my pick of the week uncanny x-men number 11 the final um, issue that I read this week was x23 issue number nine x assassin part three I love x23 and i love gabby her sister uh aka honey badger and so i've been trying to read this because i read tom taylor's series of x23 that was before this and loved it he's the one that introduced honey badger this one's written by mariko tamaki along with pencil penciler diego Orlord tegui and inkers walden wong jp mayer and scott Hanna colorist Chris O'Hollerhan, and VCs Corey Petit as the letterer. Uh, it was not really anything that even happened in this issue. It was weird. I was kind of um, kind of unimpressed. Essentially, it says, um, While investigating a string of seemingly connected murders, Laura and Gabby entrapped the killer that looks just like them and have brought it to Beast lab to help understand its origin. Unbeknownst to them... Dr. Robert Chandler, a villain from their past, has returned to create this new line of killing machines called X-Assassins. And you find that out in the prior issue that they're just, they used uh, X-23's DNA, made these clones that are not the same as X-23. They don't have a healing, this one doesn't have a healing factor and a couple of other things but they're made to completely obey orders and so it was like they're basically selling them to people as weapons but this ser- this issue didn't really dive into that any further and then kind of just i guess sort of tapered off gabby is essentially trying to befriend this um this robot um, x-23 but even that it just i don't know it the issue did not hit for me so uh, i would say skip it that would be my opinion on this one and that is it for today. So that's Marvel Unlimited Monday here on Comics and Cinema. I am your host, Alex Klein, and I very much look forward to speaking with you all on Wednesday when we talk about Powers of 10 2 and all of the other great content that's coming out. Thanks so much for listening. Music.